0: From the Surveyor Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWin. Let's get started. Hello, my people, we're back. And you know what's also back is one of the most exciting weeks of the year. That is Miami Art Week and Art Basel Miami Beach, kicking off on December 1st. So you guessed it. Today we are talking about art. Our guest on the show is Monica Kalpakian. She's a founding member of Art Basel Miami Beach, has been an art patron and collector for the last 30 years. Monica is also the founder of Miami-based Art Vising, an exclusive consultancy service for the most demanding private art collectors in the world. In this episode, Monica is bringing her insider knowledge to help us explore all things art and Miami's thriving art scene. It's a great conversation where we cover everything from the role of Art Basel and Miami Art Week in shaping our magic city into the global city that it is today. We talk about the proliferation of our art galleries and how they went from a free wine dash to a place for serious art collectors. We talk about how to navigate our museum landscape, which has grown significantly in just the last five years alone. Monica also gives us uh, some professional advice on how to build an art collection in your home that really makes sense. She also, finally, and last but not least, gives us her list of the best galleries in Miami where you can start. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. You're listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, South Florida's number one rated real estate podcast. Enjoy the show. Monica, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. <laughs> it's our pleasure to have you. I mean, wow. Um, the art is something that we love about Miami, but not something that we've talked about a lot here. So I'm so um pleased and and honored to have you with us.
1: Thank you. Um, The world of buying and collecting art can be exciting and a great investment. But however, it can also be intimidating if you don't know the ins and the outs of the complex art world. Because buying art isn't as simple as walking through a door of a gallery and picking up a piece that you like. There's a lot of due diligence that needs to happen from knowing market prices, to understanding what sets certain artworks apart listen there's a lot of competition for the same works long waiting lists for highly sought after art and limited choices if you don't have well-connected access and that's only the first step once you do make the acquisition then there's a number of additional steps that need to be executed
0: excellent so um you know we've got a list of questions here but some of the things that i like to do is just rip them up (laughs) <laughs> Throw Wonderful. them out the door. Um, you have such a wealth of knowledge and experience, and so as we get into the topic deeper, first I'd like to, you know, give uh, our listeners your journey, your personal story, if you will, if you could sort of walk us through uh, your your journey through the world of art and how we got to today.
1: I started very early being interested in art, in the doing, making of it. I studied sculpture and I started painting, and then I studied art history. And I was a bit frustrated because my imagination and what my hand could deliver were total different things. So I became fascinated at what other people were able to do with their talent and realized uh, it was much more interesting for me to go and, and... pick their brain and see sure. why they were doing what they were doing. I'm also a psychologist. So oh, okay. so that I was very interested in knowing why we are all the same, yet we all do different things mm-hmm. and they're different drives. So befriending artists, I got to see the clever ways in which they resolve their issues in life yeah. and and the problems that we might have they all pour it in in a paper or in a canvas or in sculpture and for me that was fascinating because an artist talks about something that is very universal they can mm-hmm. talk about love or anguish or or a certain political problem and instead of being words it's something material that can be tangible and that talks at a visceral level. You sure. sometimes look at work of art and it moves you and you don't understand why. Mm. And it's subconscious. Right. It's talking, it's saying something that you're trying to elaborate, something that you're trying to solve in your life, that somebody was able to pour it and you connect with it sure. and you like it.
0: Absolutely. And I think so, you know, for my, for my realtors out there, I think many of us know that the sort of proliferation, let's say, of museums and art in general in Miami has been one of the first key steps, as I mentioned at the top in in Miami's journey to go from this beach town to uh, a real global city that it is today, a 365 city. So Art Basel, um, right, was one of the big milestones back in 2002. I know you were a founding member, as I mentioned uh, at the top, Uh, but sort of tell us a little bit about the importance, like how monumental um, getting our Basel here was to the growth of art, and sort of what that that process was like.
1: Miami always had very interesting, uh, deep, uh, high level collectors. Mm-hmm. They had the Braemans, Rosa de la Cruz, Craig Robbins, Margulis, the Rubels. they were respected internationally for their the depth uh, of the the way in which they collect these are people that study what they're going to buy that research a lot that buy with a with a mindset there's there's a direction and a goal so their collections are very well-rounded they're in depth and they're very smart also it's not about buying beautiful things so these collectors had a big depth uh, and were fundamental in bringing uh, Miami Basel uh, to to Miami. Uh, what happened with Miami is that many people like to uh, bully Miami before. Okay. No, it was the New Yorkers, London people, right. will yeah, Miami okay for partying and then. Uh, having a good time but miami was not respected culturally because it didn't have the depth that it has today Mm. today all that has changed we have the pam museum we have bass we have the Rubel collection we have rosa de la cruz collection you have many museums that you could go and get educated and and learn about what's happening in in the world in real time and and have very important educational programs. So this brought respect to Miami. What happened with the art fair coming here, that galleries that are the best the biggest the rounded and have been for ages in the art scene and have a trajectory of educating people and and talking to what happens to society in general these galleries that were much more than showing something pretty that matches a sofa these galleries that brought artists that were talking about the collective unconscious or were talking about what's happening in history, in geography, what is happening in the world today that speaks to the collective. And when these artists are coming to Miami and the fair brought people from all over the world, and delivered amazing Mm -hmm. that was what happened in the beginning people were weary. "Mm, let's see what's going to happen because a fair has the the tendency of being a marketplace so Mm -hmm. people also kind of disrespected saying okay it's Mm -hmm. a marketplace as if you go to a show in vegas it's all for sale but what miami did that was different was that aside from the fair itself it had many subfairs and also had lots of intellectual stimulation. You had talks with renowned architects in the world. You had talks and debates with the best designers in the world that came and flew over for that week. People it was were able to meet the best of the world, mm-hmm. be it artists, be it designers, architects, uh, interior designers. So all that melting pot of talent brought more crowds brought right. celebrities even, brought intellectuals, mm-hmm. brought people that were looking at Miami with one eye shut. And, sure. okay, let's see what's going there. And the more the years that passed and kept delivering in a in a serious way, uh, people started coming more and more. And the magic that was created in that week here, yeah. from people meeting, from synergies and from magic happening from from people meeting so that was quite splendid
0: absolutely and i think it's that magic sort of spawned uh, a lot of other fairs right because i think one of the things i've noticed with with um newcomers but also you know locals we say Art Basel now when we refer to Miami Art Week in a way but there's so many different fairs throughout the city now that have have sort of expanded we all just call it Art Basel or many do but it's it's really many different fairs right that have come together for that week as a result of the success at Art Basel and the attention that Basel brought to the city.
1: Yeah, so Art Puzzle is in the convention center mm-hmm. and it's 260 uh, more or less galleries, very, the top, top, top galleries in the world. It's, they go through a very discerning process to be chosen and they even have to say what kind of works they're going to bring to be approved or not approved. And then there's other art fairs that are for ultra contemporary artwork, for young artists, for uh, design, for All kinds of things. So Mm -hmm. uh, all these fairs bring different kinds of people that have different interests.
0: Sure, sure. And so so the fair is, you know, it's the seasonal, it's an annual event. But how has that impacted um, the infrastructure or let's say galleries uh, in the city, you know, throughout the year? Have you seen a big growth? Is there a particular area or pockets in the city where you can find the best galleries? What are some of the insider tips?
1: What happened is Miami had galleries uh, in the past uh, that were more centered in decorative art, Mm -hmm. except for uh, David Castillo or Swerner or Nina Johnson. And all of a sudden that changed. Mm -hmm. The Miami art scene started being more respected people became curious and you know how it is it's it's a give and take mm-hmm. when artists see that international people are coming to their studio also the influx i'm an art patron and what that means is i go to art uh, studios we talk with the artist we push their limits as much as they are pushing our limits we push, we like to sure. challenge them and, and see what direction they take and, and all this with knowledge about art and art history and what direction they're taking. So all this made Miami artists go up a notch mm-hmm. in their desires, in their quest, in their conquer in life and what they were doing and knowing that there's all kinds of people curators from all over the world come here Mm -hmm. directors of museums come here the the level of intellectuals that are coming here to see the art not as a pretty thing but to to find art that moves them that that will challenge them emotionally which is something that i love about the art world Um, so that created a new scene for sure. for Miami and an interest of people, even when people came from abroad, saying, "How come there's so few galleries?" and mm-hmm. and the interest of, "Why don't we open in Miami?" Right. And and more and more galleries have opened that are very good caliber that have interested and in smart art, and the events that are around those galleries are world-class now Miami past can't change from being okay there's an opening in the gallery and people would go for for free wine Uh (laughs) to to knowing that if you go to an art gallery now you're going to run into the typical people that are engaged and like art and want to talk Um, every time I go to an opening I run into newer people and they all have very smart questions yeah. and they are in a quest so it's it's very beautiful to see and to open doors to to all this i love
0: that and speaking of the opening doors you mentioned earlier uh some of the, the great museums that have opened their doors here in the last uh, few years so if if you will for our audience sort of guide me through the sort of quick elevator pitch on the different museums and then what type of art or what the focus is of each so that for, for those realtors and related industries that want to either check it out or they have clients coming to the city that want to know what to find, sort of lay the landscape for me.
1: Okay, so Miami has various museums. ICA is a Institute of Contemporary Art, mm-hmm. has the latest of the latest uh, contemporary artists, international. The building is great, is in the design district, and it's a very interesting um
0: Mm -hmm. tour to
1: make then there's pam which is a beautiful building and i recommend going and, and having lunch there and walking through has um every museum that you go is will educate you will they have in the walls, explain everything that there is to understand, and you might ask, what is there to understand? I'm looking at art. I either like it or not like it. But sometimes the the artists, well, that's why they are in museums and they're not in decorative studios, the artists are able to do something that is deeper to talk to the collective like i told you before or to resolve a puzzle Mm -hmm. about socioeconomic could be historic could be political and they pour out something that the viewer connects with and makes them think and makes them challenge their thoughts or make them want to answer or want them to have a debate. So that's what museums are here for, are here to educate, to open your mind, to broaden Mm. your perspective about how you thought things. Even by disagreeing with you, they're already making you take a stance. Okay, hold on, let me question myself. And then there's uh, the Bass Museum, yep. which I adore. the The their program is great. It's it's smart. It's interesting, and all these museums bring to Miami the artists. So all these museums bring talent and bring the artists. Yep. So you get by by joining museums, you get the opportunity to talking with the artists, to seeing what else they're doing, to understand more about art, to to these all these museums are reciprocal with other cities and for for us even to tell you where if you go to London Paris New York where you could go and what things are going to enhance your life and and make it have a broader perspective about life itself because what art and life are correlated in the sense I mean they're gonna strike that so if I was a person coming to Miami um, I would go to the Rubell Museum and have lunch there, which is delicious, mm-hmm. and and see how interesting their collecting lives have, has been. They have dedicated their life to finding new artists, to finding artists that speak to to the collective, mm-hmm. and um, the collection is extensive. It's super interesting, engaging, and and fun even. Then you have the Margulis collection. These people generously have opened their foundations for people to get educated and learn more. And it's one of the things that I love about the art world, um, that people engage in in being open to show their collection Mm -hmm. and and show the world uh, what they have. So this possibility of seeing this what they have amassed through decades. Mm -hmm. And to see their trajectory is very interesting. Also Rosa de la Cruz, who I know for 25 years, I traveled with her to Venice and to the Biennales a long time ago. And Craig Robbins also was there. And to see art with people that have been doing this for their whole life, the way they engage with the scenario, with the artists, uh, I learned a lot from from that back then, and it's remarkable to see where their collection is now because of the way they did it, with time and education.
0: I love it, and there's a lot of a lot of good options, a lot of places to explore. Uh, from what I'm hearing, okay. we'll make sure to include links in the notes to, to the various um, gallery, museums, I should say, so that our listeners can can check those out for themselves.
1: These are open all year round here in Miami. During Art Basel, what they do is collectors are asked to open their homes, and I also do that. We open our homes and people can come and and see the art and ask questions, and we host whoever wants to... to, learn more and there's great collections in miami really really outstanding collections so people have a lot of fun coming and and seeing that and being able to go to a house and see that collection that otherwise you would need to know them on a first-hand basis for to be invited to a dinner sure. so during that week all these houses are open and you can meet the hosts and you can ask any kind of question so it's a uh, it's an amazing opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So just like Miami, there's so much out there to to explore and, and to uh to enjoy. So ladies and gentlemen, once again we're talking to Monica Kalpakian, founder of Miami-based art vising here on your Miami Real Estate Podcast. So Monica, great insight. Let's keep this going. Um, so we've covered the Miami sort of art landscape. Is there um in your in your opinion, sort of the future of that we've come so far? But what, what are you excited about in terms of the future of the Miami art scene? Or is there anything that's missing? Uh,
1: I could have answered that something's missing before, but not anymore. <laughs> yes. The best galleries are coming. They already landed in Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. The best of the best galleries. I mean, I'm not talking just any gallery. There are world-renowned galleries have landed there. Um serious collectors Mm -hmm. have moved to palm beach and to miami and with it they bring their knowledge and they bring their know-how and they bring their needs and so it's an amazing moment for us here in miami to to cater to what they need and what they want because as you said before they're coming here and they want the kind of level that you are used to mm. in all kinds of practices so they demand that
0: so let's talk a little bit about that And this is discerning these discerning individuals these serious collectors what is i know you specialize in this but sort of walk me through the process our listeners of uh, they have clients that are looking to build or start their collection sort of what does does your day-to-day entail let's say working with a new client
1: uh, first of all, the most important thing is that the client, when they know they want art, but not always they know what what kind of art they want. They To be a discerning collector, first to have to put your gut a little bit on the side because the things that you're attracted at first are the easiest to the eye okay. and not necessarily means that that's the art that you're going to love having in your walls forever.
0: So what do you mean by that, Monica?
1: Um, I mean that I'll help you make an informed choice, not an impulsive one. I want to help you fill your space or collection with art that speaks to you and isn't just the latest trend. Sure. Because people come and say, just like fashion, oh, they all want the pink color now. But guess what? In three months you will hate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can be trendy for clothes uh, but for art, if you're going to do that kind of investment, you don't want to be impulsive and go with what everybody else wants sure. and buy it at the highest of the price because everybody else wants um what i want you to to have as a my interest if you're going to become a a collector Mm -hmm. or you're starting a collection is that you have worldwide well-known and respected artists um that you're able to go indoors that you didn't even know that existed because art uh is a bit intimidating it's not like you're going to go to a gallery and find everything you want. Mm-hmm. So you need access to get to certain uh, works of art. Um, I'll show you works that are provocative, that are moving, works that are pretty, works that are scarce. Uh, we have to talk about what's original, what sure. materials you you connect with, the size. So there's many things when I meet somebody that I... I am asking, even if they don't realize that I'm asking, I'm trying to figure out who they are and what moves them as a person. Mm-hmm. Because once I find the work that talks to their sensitivity, they're gonna love that work forever. Mm-hmm. It's not an impulse choice. It's not a uh, what their friend or neighbor bought. Sure. And it's something that no matter if it goes up or down in value, they're going to love. However, as a side note, I never like to buy art that is going to go out in value. I always, <laughs> yes, I'm always considering the artist for many reasons it's not because it's an artist that is gonna uh, appreciate that I buy it but the fact is that I take in consideration so many aspects of the artist Mm -hmm. what is the artist working on what is his future where is his head what is his discipline what are the materials is he copying himself is he doing he found the file the great recipe and is cookie cutting it mm-hmm. that art is not going to go up in value sure. there's many different things that are taken into consideration where you say okay this is an artist that is gonna remain in history museums will want it because it's talking about this issue or that other or their technique is outstanding
0: sure is there, um, is there any artists in particular now that you're keen on or that, that, that you like an insider tip here for, <laughs> for our listeners. I,
1: I have many, many, many artists, but in general, I like, of course, I've been doing this for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't say I'm jaded because I'm always uh, <laughs> finding something that catches my eye or curiosity and, um, I like artists that find new ways of expressing, new ways of communicating. And there's an artist that has been around now for a while that is called Do Ho Soo. He's a Korean artist. And he does sculpture made with fabric. And he does different pieces, uh, parts of his own house, light bulbs. It's very difficult to describe abstractly sure. <laughs> what, what he does. But it's I have him found anybody that came home and saw that artist that didn't stop at their right and and ask, please, what is this? Yeah. And and that wow factor in the sense of not only for beautiful, as like I said before, but for making you think, he talks about loneliness and how he misses places and displacement. So all these things start having layers and layers of interest. When you're done with the beautiful, you talk about displacement. When you're done with displacement, you talk about loneliness and memory and, and what happens with the life that you already lived. And it's not there anymore. And why do you want a photo or or this sculpture that reminds yeah. you about? So there's many, many layers that where you can connect with that artist. And, for example, that's the case why that artist is famous and why museums are buying it and why they will keep buying it.
0: I like it. Doho, was Doho the Korean Su was a green artist. You yes. heard it here first, folks. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but, Monica, on a serious note, one of the big things I'm taking away there from, from what you just said a, a few moments ago was... Don't be impulsive, right? When you're yes. starting your collection or, or even let's say growing it, um, and so really, so your process involves that deep exploration of of what, almost going back to your psychology, the uh, the collector um, sort of wants to to see or feel and and sort of the experience in the home. Um, what uh, what else are some of the keys, right, to having uh, to to growing your collection and having a great collection? In, in your opinion, beyond you know that initial exploration.
1: So you know how. In music, there are seven sounds, but depends on the magic of the person what they're able to do. So, in a collection, there's many things that are unsaid. It has to have coherence. It has to have a a, a route that is following. So, many times you go to somebody's house and you can tell that they bought things that they like but the words are not speaking with mm. each other. They they don't have, they're not a symphony. Sure. And sometimes you go to somebody's house and one word takes you to the other and it, it makes a story. It's a symphony. It mm. creates a, a, a journey and you're taken, you started watching and by the end, by the things you heard and you saw, you feel different. You're in a different place. So for me, that's, the, the magic of building a collection, finding pieces that talk to each other, that have a, a coherence in the message or the vision, and they're going to a direction. People might say, I only want women artists, and that's okay. And people might say, I'm interested in political, or I'm interested in, in this emotion, and they go into that route. A, a well-rounded collection, One of the things that is important for me is to understand your needs and your personal aesthetic uh, to help you find your voice, to find the art, making an informed decision so you don't get taken away by your first want or or attraction. not all the works from a highly sought after artist are worth collecting there's a reason why there's a picasso for half a million and another one for a hundred million and there's many many variables that have to do with that so my role is to teach to to inform to educate and to maybe teach is not the word but but to explain to you what are the nuances Mm -hmm. of each painting or sculpture why this is a a cookie cutter from something that has been done before. Sometimes people come and tell me, I love this. And I said, I also love it. If it wasn't a copy of this artist that copied on this artist, and appropriation is very normal. But if you appropriate to do something new, when people copy just for the sake of copying, and they have a different price uh, because of that, I I do not stop you from buying whatever you want. I just want you to know that you know that you're buying a copy, that somebody created the concept before, and this person is only copying. So that art, it doesn't have the value in itself. I mean, it could be beautiful for you to have, would never go up in value because it's a, it's a stolen idea from sure. somebody else.
0: So, Monica, what are the steps like when when you put this uh, sort of mosaic, if you will, to use an art term, together? Um, what are the the steps of the the process of working with you?
1: So, the first step is access, right? Because you can go to a gallery and see what you're seeing there, but and that's called primary market. And then there's a secondary market, which is a bit more complicated to get access if you're not in the art world itself. The secondary market has to do with the art already having been sold and having left a gallery and an artist studio, and now it's owned by somebody. And that person wants to sell it. So that person either puts it in auction or calls people like me and says, I have this for sale and everything is hush-hush, and I find somebody, I find a match for that work. So the collector that starts on their own can find works in art fairs, can find works in primary market always. And it's more difficult for them to access the secondary market. We have access because we have been going to auctions for decades. So we know who bought what. Mm-hmm. And then we are, we are subscribed to different databases sure. and art market databases where we know where to find certain things and sometimes a collector comes and says I want this specific or something like this that I saw in a museum which happened to me a month ago somebody asked me something I said okay that does not exist there's three in the world and two are in a museum and one is in a collector's house and he told me I don't mind. I want it. I mm-hmm. said, okay, is not museums are not gonna sell it. So I have only one person to ask in Hong Kong. And so he says, Go for it. Okay, if I have a green light, I go for it. And I love this kind of things to really find <laughs> yes, because for me it's it's pride to know, you know, you're I, I didn't tell him, but you're lucky. Twelve years ago I was sitting somewhere and I heard who bought it. So I know exactly. Now I have to find their number right. and the access that this person wants to. Take my call, even insulting them to tell them sure. some people hang up the phone, or no, I'm not selling <laughs> my art, you know. Um
0: I like that. So, so
1: I called Hong Kong and I told him I have a client, uh, he wants your work. And I was, no way, no way. I called again, let's revisit this. What if money was not an option? Would you? So I said, okay, this is my price, and he gave a ridiculous price. And We talked, we laughed, we said, well, you know, you're giving me a ridiculous price. And he said, yes, but I don't want to sell it. So if he wants it, and the person agreed. Wow. Because money was not a problem for him. So he said, I want it so much that I want to be the third person that has it. So... We made the deal, everything. I uh, love that. This is a person that moved to Miami, by the way, uh, there you go. a year ago, there you go. that bought it. Uh, so those for me are the challenges that are super rewarding for to sure. be able to make two people happy because it's, it's behind the scenes. This is not something that is in a database. This yeah. is not something that's someone can go and buy and find.
0: I love that. So takeaway for our listeners, if you want something that only access will get you, call Monica right? <laughs> Thank you. for you or your, your savvy clients. Um, so for those that are not going the the route um, through, through professionals such as yourself, you mentioned the primary market includes fairs and some galleries. Do you have a, cute, a few sort of quick tips or best fairs or galleries that you recommend yes. to our listeners?
1: In Miami, I love David Castillo. Uh, I love Nina Johnson, I love Bill Brady, Emerson Dorsch, and Fountainhead Head Studios. They have been very serious in the artists they are bringing. Um, Also, Rubel Collection has an internship program and they bring people uh, that work for them for some time and then they usually present it at our Basel. So it's pretty intensive if you want to see Miami. Of course, it's not ready like London and New York. We cannot compare those cities with mm-hmm. anywhere else in the world. Um, but you can get education. You go to these galleries and always ask questions. Don't feel intimidated. Um, ask as many questions as you yeah. want for, for people to, to explain why certain artists and why not others. And really be honest about what you don't like sure. so so it's not a purchase uh, scenario but it's an informed educational scenario where they want to teach you they want to explain you things and you the more you know about what is attracting you and why is attracting you the more you will connect with the artist i also find it very interesting to go to the artist studios themselves and to sit with them and ask them why is it that they do what they do and see where the connection between the buyer and the artist is because that's something that is unique. It's like meeting somebody. You click or you don't click.
0: Right. I love that. I love that. Well, I'm excited about art right now. I'll take it (laughs) wherever. I hope you guys are. So Monica, final thoughts uh, for our listeners. I think that advice was great. Um, Just about Miami's art landscape, about the art world, getting into it. What do you want our listeners to take away with them from this combo?
1: I want listeners not to be intimidating. Art can be intimidating, especially because it, until now it's changing. It had the, the idea of being standoffish. I have to imagine you go to a gallery, there's 12 works of art hanging, and there's uh, thousands of people with accessibility, with the money, with the buying power and the decisiveness of saying, I'm taking it. So you're competing with thousands of people that want the same work. It's not like before. Before, we were few people that would buy more art than our walls could handle. We were called a bit crazy, you know, (laughs) and uh, buying art and putting it in storage because we didn't have where to put it. Now there's more and more people that have incorporated art as a way of living because art is not only what you have in your wall the world of art opens doors to different club to mm. memberships to to places to meet smart and intelligent people that have a, a goal in common you can do trips around it all around art you can go places or cities only with the excuse of seeing certain museums but that what does that give you a community uh, a place of belonging then there's art events talks there's so many things around art that make it engaging and interesting
0: I love that. Very well said. Ladies and gentlemen, this was Monica Kalpakian. Thank you so much for being here with us today and for your insight. Monica, it's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Omar. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, if you'd like to learn more about our collecting, uh, get in touch with Monica via her website monikakalpakian.com. We will include that in the show notes for you. If you like today's episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit our blog, Miami Real Estate Podcast to hear this episode and more. So this episode was brought to you by Surveyor Real Estate. Thanks to Vito Esburua, and Emma, intern Emma, for their production work. I'm your host, Omar Dewin. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Until then, remember that here in Miami, the future is always bright. Take care, folks.